Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast with Jay Gordon Duncan. And if you're wondering why the Jay, the answer is I'm not a bagpipe player. And if that joke doesn't make any sense to you, I encourage you to check out episode zero, where I explain that joke as well as the purpose of the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast, where we talk about faith, family, fitness, finances, and sometimes fun. Well, friends, if you are watching with us, you can see that we've got the uh, CACS Mastermind with us again. And I want to say thank you. You guys have been with us uh, a couple of times. And thank you, everybody here online and everyone who's watching. And I appreciate all the feedback from the last couple of episodes. Uh, but I want to hop right in today because this past week, I had the privilege. I was invited by Nationwide, uh, Nationwide Mortgage Bankers Fredericksburg. Um, to speak on the topic of the law of attraction. And the law of attraction has become immensely popular in the entrepreneurial and the creative and the podcast space lately. And so I was asked to come in and give a seminar to just kind of go into a deep dive of what is it and what does it mean, what does it not mean? And then I was invited to actually have the opportunity to give my viewpoint on what I thought. So it was really a privilege that I could come in and kind of share those things um, but then also just get an opportunity at the end to say, well, this is what I think uh, about what it means to attract certain things. So what we're going to do now is I'm going to do just an, an overview. I'm not going to go through the slides, but one of the reasons for that is when I did that seminar, it was kind of at a side view and it was kind of hard to hear. I didn't have a great microphone and I wanted to share it with the CACS uh, Creative Mastermind here and then also with everyone who watches and listens to the podcast. So a little bit of background for me. I mean, why would someone ask me to, to share uh, my thoughts on the law of attraction? So I'm going to do a little bit of a background if you guys don't mind. Uh, but I started out as an English teacher. Uh, I got my bachelor's degree from East Carolina University in English. And I taught high school English for four years. And I taught at an alternative school. And so what that meant was to qualify for my school, you had to be expelled from another school. And it was sort of a, a, a gap between public school and the juvenile prisons. And the school system I was part of had the vision to, like, let's fight the, the um, dropout rate. And so my first day as a teacher was the first day the school ever opened. And so I was a green teacher, and I was teaching three grades at the same time. And it taught me a lot about teaching, taught me a lot about learning styles, taught me a lot about uh, handling things on my feet. And I enjoyed it. I talked for four years. It was an absolute blast. Uh, along the way, a few years later, I wound up going to seminary. And I got a master's in religion from Reformed Theological Seminary in Charlotte. And that gave me both a broad view of religions in general, but also uh, prepared me to be a minister. And so I had to study Greek and Hebrew and history and uh, systematic theology and all that good stuff. And it took me a whopping five years to get my three-year degree, but that's okay. And but then I had the privilege of being a minister for 20 years. And so in that, uh, again, teaching, uh, mindset, thinking, preaching, uh, I was just really privileged. Um, on the background, I've also been running Capitalized Marketing. And the genesis of that company started in August 2003. So I didn't even celebrate that. But last month was 20 years ago I've been in business, which I really should have just celebrated. But putting together this uh, talk gave me the opportunity to realize that. Um, being part of this group, um, I've been an author. Uh, I've got 67 titles on Amazon, ranging from 19 pages to nearly 400. And uh, surprisingly enough, my, my most recent bestseller is a book that was assisted by AI. So that was a lot of fun. 
but being a, a, a creative has been part of who I've, I've been ever since I was an English teacher. Now, as it moves towards the law of attraction in the business world, uh, my training has been the John Maxwell Leadership Institute, um, Cardone News Sales Training, uh, Premier Excel Coaching. And then I read about 20 books about the law of attraction. So why would anybody read that many books about the law of attraction? Well, uh, in 2012, I've shared with the podcast and this group many times, uh, I began suffering seizures. And uh, I, quite honestly, the best way I could tell folks is my brain just didn't work anymore. Um, I went from being a three-time marathoner in 2012 to not being able to run a single mile in 2013. And it was a struggle every day to have a cognitive thought. Um, I would have to come home in the middle of the day and I would take naps and I had uh, just uh, fits of rage. And at the same time, I'm running a business and trying to plan a church. And I remember a terrifying moment sitting in a Bible study and there's about 15 people in there. And I'm sitting there and the only thought I could have was, I have no idea what's going on. I mean, there's questions being asked and they're gonna come back to me. And I'm like, I, I don't know what's happening. And those moments were pretty terrifying for me. Well, as I began to recover from my seizures uh, medically, uh, I knew I had to put together something. So I just went on uh, a, a journey of mindset training. And so mindset is how we think about thinking. And I just, I read everything. I really did. I wanted to, I wanted to understand how the mind think and I want to understand its potential because I will be on these seizure meds for the rest of my life and they slow my brain down and they slow my metabolism down. And I wanted to know, you know, how, what could I do to help? And so the law of attraction is a very popular concept. And so uh, I want I will share with you at first an overview of what it means in its simplest form. And then I'm going to share with you what I think, and it's going to have applications to creatives like this group here and to business. So I, I, let me give you the simplest definition I can that I have found for the law of attraction. And it's this. Um, our thoughts are energy. And like energy always attracts like energy. So in, in the presentation of the law of attraction, that's what the books would say. Our thoughts are literally energy and like attracts lives. And so the simplest application would be Think good things, get good things. Think health, get health. Think poor things, get poor things. Think riches, get riches. Think poverty, think poverty. That's the concept behind the law of attraction. Now, when we hear that, there might be an element that we think, well, maybe some of that's true, but maybe some of it's not. Now, this whole movement actually came out of the church in the late 1800s and late, late uh, early 1900s with verses like Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh, so he is. Uh, Mark eleven twenty four when Jesus said, whatever it is you ask in prayer, believe it and you will receive it. It will be yours. And then you've got folks like Henry Ford. This is one of my favorite quotes ever, I'll be honest with you. He said, whether you think you can or think you can't, either way, you are right. And so there was this whole, it, it, it attached itself to the Industrial Revolution in the early 1900s, and, and folks were accomplishing and building, and we're building bridges, and, and, and just, it, it's really where it, it began to flourish. Now, there were, uh, the, the first guy who ever really, like, quantified it was a guy named Phineas Quimby, which is a great name. You don't get names like Phineas Quimby anymore, by the way, but he was the, the first guy to sort of form it, and it launched what's called the New Thought Movement. And the New Thought Movement sprung out of the church. And it was like, we need to begin thinking differently and accomplishing new things. And so two early books 
started to grab attention. There's a book, uh, 1910, called The Science of Getting Rich. And in that book, Wallace Waddle says, if you do what I tell you, I 100% guarantee you, you will get rich. And if you're ever interested in that book, it's on Spotify. It's about two and a half hours to listen. And there's another book called The Master Key System, where uh, Charles Hanel said, think this way and get what you want. But there were really two books that made it explode uh, across America and make it popular. There's a book called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And if you're in the podcast entrepreneur world, everyone says you've got to read Think and Grow Rich. Uh, I think it's very worth a read. Um, some things to take in from it, some things not. And then The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale in 1952 really was attractive. And Norman Vincent Peale was a pastor as well. And so those things caused the law of attraction movement to grow. But what really caused it to grow was 2006. And there's a book by Rhonda Byrne called The Secret. And uh, many of you may have heard of that. That book sold 30 million copies. And there is a documentary film that did nearly a half a billion dollars of business. And her book is based on the law of attraction. It's based on ask, believe, receive. That's her premise. And she says she got that from Matthew 20 and 21, 22. Whatsoever you ask in prayer, believe it, you shall receive. It. And so that was the, the real, it's when all of a sudden the, the internet's booming, entrepreneurs are booming, and it just took off. And so the church's response to this in, in a movement that started within church has really been polarizing. There are some on one side that are like, yes, by authority, in Jesus' name, that's what we can do. And then there's another side of the church that says that's absolute heresy. And then usually somewhere we find the truth in between. So that's been the history of the law of attraction very briefly, very, very briefly. But the whole idea is our thoughts, our energy, like attract like. And so the question we've got to ask, or at least I wanted to answer in my seminar was, is that true? Are our thoughts energy and does like attract like? So let me begin sharing in both observation and critique, and then I'll move towards what I think. Well, first of all, our thoughts do matter. They do matter. Uh, growing up, it, uh, if you were a child and you were headed out to take a test and you had done all the work, but the morning you were scared and you're like, mom, this test, I'm going to do terrible on this test. The parent says, well, don't think that way. Go into it with a positive attitude. Now, why would we do that? Because we believe that the attitude we bring is actually going to create a different performance. Somehow as adults, we forget that. I, we, we become much more comfortable with saying that things are going to go poor, poorly. We become disaster artists to a certain extent. But we believe that quite often, that like the attitude we bring, it often has an effect in the actions that we have. As creatives, if you sit down and say, what I'm getting ready to write is going to be terrible, it's going to affect what you write. But if you sit down and you're like, I've got something amazing to say today, it's going to affect what you write. And so our actions do matter. But then we have this question of what do we do with energy? Like, do we emit an energy or not? Well, uh, you know, uh, under under uh, observation, I mean, we, we are vibrating if you want to get to the simplest form. But there is a sense of an energy we emit when we go in a room. Um, uh, you, you can walk it. You can be having a lot of fun. And then someone can walk in the room and bring the whole room down. I don't know what it is like just. They can come in and just the whole room is like, man, we're having fun until they got here. 
And then on the other end, we all know someone that just, and we'll say, they light up the room, like something about just walking in the room. Uh, on the other hand, uh, moms have been in a grocery store before, and they've got a young child beside them, and a person walks by, and they go, mm, just kind of bring that child in a little closer. There's just some sort of energy or vibe that says that person seems unsafe. And you might say, well, that's instinct. Or if you're a Christian, you might say it's the Holy Spirit. But whatever the case may be, we bring something when we sit down and are near people that's more than just our facial expression. There is an interaction we have. So we have to admit that there's something there. Well, the law of attraction would say, well, what you're bringing is that you are attracting whatever it is you are thinking about. And that's the basis of the law of attraction. So... They would say, if you think rich thoughts, you're going to get riches. But if you think sick thoughts, you're going to get sick. Well, is that true or not? Well, a couple more things. We do know this. Every action we've ever taken in our entire life is preceded by a thought. If you're watching or listening to this, you decided to do it. There's a conscious thought. But our subconscious thoughts also empower what we do. How many of you have ever pulled into your driveway and thought, I don't remember driving home? <laughs> like, so, yep, yep, subconsciously, you know how to drive and you know the way home so well and subconsciously you did the whole thing. So subconscious thoughts are powerful. My wife, Amy, will say, hey, on the way home, can you pick up something from the grocery store? I'd be like, sure thing. And I'll pull in the driveway and she'll say, did you pick up that thing from the grocery store? And I'll go, no, I did not. <laughs> because subconsciously, I know the drive so well, I was just on autopilot. And that's what we call it. We call it autopilot. But our conscious and subconscious thoughts are powerful. And so if we gain more control over what we're thinking, if we tell our brains what to think instead of listening to our brains as much, we then have more control over our lives. We can then do and accomplish more things because we have a, an audio tape that just kind of runs in our head all day. Things we've thought, things we've heard, things we've read. If we can change that, we can begin to change what we do. Now, have you guys ever heard that it takes 21 days to create a habit? You guys ever heard that number? Well, they think it takes 90 days to change the way you think. And that's a concept called neuroplasticity. You can change your brain. Your brain is a muscle like any other muscle. And so changing the way you think and a pattern of that 90 days over and over again can change the way you think about something. Uh, last time, I'm going to go too deep on the terms here. You have something in your brain called the RAS or the reticular activation system. The brain works in its most efficient form. That's what it wants to do. And so it creates neural pathways of the way we think. If I say, what is your name? None of you guys have to think about it because that's woven into your brain. The RAS system has created that. You could be at the grocery store and someone say, Joe, and you're looking around because your brain is wired to respond to that. Well, if you say, I want to buy a brand new uh, black pickup truck, your brain's going to start seeing black pickup trucks everywhere. Your brain gets wired with what we reaffirm over and over again. Am I attracting black pickup trucks? No. But now we're moving into my opinion. I have not drawn all the black pickup trucks in the world to me, but my brain has been patterned towards. So the big question now is, what do I think? Well, here are my 
here's my three takeaways about the law of attraction. This is the, the way I rebuilt my brain after the seizures. And here's what I think, if you want to use the word attract, this is the three steps to attract what you want. Um, and I don't think it necessarily lines up with the purest form of law of attraction. Um, but I think, I, I do think uh, it, it does in some way work. So number one, I think we should all have what I call a holy discontentment, H-O-L-Y, a holy discontentment. What does that mean? Well, I think the holiness part of it is we should have a pattern and a practice of thankfulness. We should be immensely thankful for everything we have. Uh, no matter where we are in our stage of life, uh, we should have a pattern of gratitude and thanks. Uh, if you have faith, you should be thanking God for what you have. If you don't, you should be practicing it in some way because you can't complain and be happy at the same time. You just can't. <laughs> but if you have a pattern of thankfulness and gratitude, then they will change your life. Uh, I have a journal, and every day I sit there and write down what I'm thankful for. Now, but what does it mean to be holy and discontent at the same time? Well, holy discontentment, in my viewpoint, is I know what I'm thankful for, but I also know what I would like to accomplish and achieve at the same time. And those two do not disconnect from the other. Very, For example, very thankful for my business, Capitalized Marketing. Very thankful. But I have great goals for it as well. I'm very thankful for my health and the recovery I've had. I have great goals for what I want to accomplish. Very thankful Amy and I have been married for 27 years. I have great goals for it. And if I create that as a discipline, that will change my brain. And it will change the way I interact with people. And it will change the way that I bring myself to certain circumstances. Change my creativity. It'll change uh, the personality. It'll change dinner. It'll change dinner. It'll change uh, dates. It'll change the way you interact with your children. So I think starting with a holy discontentment, a thankfulness that still has great things it wants to accomplish will attract certain things to you, meaning you'll go into certain situations and you're going to see things differently and your brain is going to be patterned to look for things differently. So that's number one. Number two, I think we need to have clear goals and know exactly what we want. I think our goals, uh, if you want to accomplish and attract and do things, then making those goals specific, writing them down. If I'm thankful and I still have goals, then what are those goals? And then if we write those things down or have a pattern of knowing what they are, it changes our brain. Our brain is patterned to think in a certain way. I, I have a goal for our company that I've never met yet. I've come close, but I write it down and I still want to accomplish it. But I have goals that we have met. And the moment I meet that one, I move on to the next one. I have goals for my health. I have goals for my running. I have goals for my relationships. And for all of us, if we are specific about what we want, then we can be specific in accomplishing it. And again, that changes our thinking. It does. We're thankful. We have goals and those goals are specific. And when we put those together, we begin seeing and doing things immensely differently, immensely. They're different conversations, different circumstances, different people, different places, different things we try to do. Number three, I think we need to imprint those things on our life. Now, what I mean by that is create some discipline 
where you know exactly what those things are over and over again. For me, I've mentioned it over again. I, I journal. I write those things down. I write those things down what I'm thankful for and then the things that I would like to accomplish. Not everybody is a journaler. Some people talk to themselves. Rock on. You know, sometimes you'll find me doing it. I'll, I'll be going running and if I passed you, I would be talking to myself. People would be immensely concerned about me. But having conversations with like-minded people who want those same things for you and saying them over and over again, you know, and encouraging us in that. However, we are thankful. However, we want things, however specific they are. If you want those things to become part of who you are and how you do things, there's got to be some pattern of imprinting those things into your life. For me, it's writing them down. And the funny thing is, I can't even read my writing. When I come back to it, I can't even read it. All that matters is in that moment. I never worry about people reading my journals. I'm like, it's just hieroglyphics anyway. I write in tongues. No one's going to see it all. What I, I'm not worried about it one bit. But for me, right, it's, it's patterning those things over and over again. Now, I had three steps, but I've got a bonus for you. And the fourth one is this. I think we need to be a mercenary about these things. You guys know what a mercenary is? In action movies, a mercenary is someone who's been hired to kill someone. <laughs> Well, I encourage you to be a mercenary about these things. And what I mean by that is if there's obstacles and things in the way of these good things you want, then you got to get rid of them. You know, if you have a pattern of sleep that's keeping you from getting these things, then go to bed earlier. If your cell phone's keeping you from getting what, then put your cell phone aside. If if the way you eat is keeping you from having the alertness you need, put it aside. If you're drinking too much caffeine, it's possible, then you got to cut back on caffeine. If there's completely, absolutely negative people in your life, you can't spend time with them. I'm not telling you not to call mom. Please call mom. But I'm just saying, if there's people that are just completely negative and against your goals, they're not helping you reach these things. So in essence, that's how I rebuilt my brain. And in essence, it's what I took away from the law of attraction. Uh, I think that we can change our brains. I can. I do believe that we can be in interactions with people that uh, can be. In, we can uh, impress them with encouragement or creativity or hopefulness or the exact opposite, and people can do the same for us. So I think those three steps are that I think we need to have a holy discontentment, a great thankfulness, still hold hoping for great goals. I think we need to know exactly what we want. I encourage you to have some pattern of knowing that exactly and then imprint them over and over again, just over and over again. Keep at them. And then if there's something that is standing in the way of those good goals, then get rid of it. Then get rid of it. Again, call your mom, call your dad. And that's not what I'm saying. But there are things that we know that we do or allow that just completely distract us from good goals. So that's my take, guys. I'm not a strict adherence to... Uh, um, the law of attraction. There's just some things in there. I, I just don't think I can bend the universe to my will. Uh, but I do think that we can uh, be very attractive in terms of our relationships. And I do think we can repattern our brains towards things that we want and then go out and get them. So I hope this has been encouraging to you. I encourage you to send me messages or take notes, send me on social media. Let me know what you think. Uh, as always, I'm thankful for the CACS community for sitting in. We're going to wrap up this podcast and then we're going to hop into a great Q&A and back and forth on this. I appreciate everybody listening and I look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks, guy. And if you want to visit the CACS community, please send me a message on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, somewhere. And we'd love for you to visit us one Thursday at 11 a.m. 11 Eastern. So guys, thanks so much. And I'll talk to you again next week.